On today's episode, we'll be discussing Room 104, Season 4, Episode 3, labeled Avalanche. Room 104 guides characters on a journey of self-discovery. It can torture characters, make them relive their stages of grief, confront them with truths they've been trying to avoid, and then spit them out and even kill them. I've seen a few episodes of this show, and this episode kind of was mediocre for me. Well, it got a 6.9 on IMDb, and in terms of the overall show's rating, it has a 6.1 based off of around 4,000 reviews. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of agreeing with you. Well, you've seen a couple episodes as well, not this one, but what do you think about the show in the past? I think that the show has some very interesting ideas in terms of plot, but I don't think that they execute it correctly or as well as it could be done a lot of the time. I I hate the show because I can never recommend it to anyone. I find that some episodes are really insufferable, uh, trying to be overly creative and ended up too expressionistic, like dull, pointless. Um, some of the episodes start off interesting and then devolve into like a humorously predictable, politically correct narrative. Has there ever been an episode that you've seen that you've liked all the way through? Well, I'm not just going to trash the show the entire time I was getting there. Um, I respect and admire that HBO and the Duplass brothers have this arrangement where they don't seem limited in what story they want to tell. And I doubt that there's much script supervising going on. I don't think that there's an editor coming in there and just marking up in red what they can't do because it seems like they just have free reign. Um, And that can't hurt because they have a really small budget. And so I assume they just are able to give the episodes in VHS form to... Uh, HBO and they just stick it into their thing and play it as opposed to any sort of super effects that are going on afterwards. It is. Uh, before, before I, so the best episodes um, to get on the other end are the ones that surprise me because there are quite a number where I'm just like, well, that had a really cool ending. I want to ask, because I know it's an anthology series, but does it feel like they're going to some type of conclusion? Like, is there any cliffhanger that they possibly give or Easter eggs? No, this eggs? is season four, right? Yeah. So they haven't... This isn't the last season, right? Yeah, it is. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. Well, then, no. <laughs> All right. Not but... really. The uh, closest thing I would say is maybe in season three or two when they did... An episode that starred Mark Duplass's wife. Artificial, that was the season finale, I think, of season two. It felt like they were sort of going in a Westworld vibe Mm -hmm. with what they were saying all the other storylines were about, and that would sort of tie things into an area. But the thing is that not every episode relies on the supernatural. That episode, uh, Mark Duplass wrote for his wife, Katie Asselton, and that's something that I find kind of cool about the show is that although it might not actually be that good a show, they do some pretty interesting things that most shows don't do. Uh, For example, the series received a 24 episode order when it was first started, so they shot 24 episodes back to back um, as a cost measure, and then they split it into two seasons. For the third season, um, they shot it incredibly quickly, and even by the time that the season two finale had aired, uh, Mark Duplass basically said that they had already shot the third season and that they had filmed and edited it. Okay. Yeah, so, like, the Duplass brothers, they like to dip their toes into, like, everything. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah. I first knew Mark Duplass from The League, which was just a comedy, and then he jumped into Safety Not Guaranteed, and that was an independent film. But then lately... nominated for Oscars, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if that's where their claim to fame came from, because then they're, like, they went on a tirade of, like, togetherness. A true crime documentary on Netflix, I forgot the name of it. Uh, that Animals cartoon that's also on HBO. 
um, the Creep movies, which I think he also like did both of those in a really quick time span. And yeah. one of the characters in the second movie was in the episode that I really liked of the one Room 104 that came out. And they even worked on Jeff, who lives at home, and uh, Mark Duplass's other show, Togetherness. And the funny thing about the show is it does not have a big budget at all. Even though it's uh, picked up by HBO, it does not have a big budget, but they are able to get a lot of famous people like Rain Wilson, Colby Smolders, Michael Shannon, Arturo Castro, Gary Cole, Kevin Nealon, just to name a few. Yeah, but they probably shoot when those guys are available, and when they come in, it's probably not just every time they mess up, they stop the camera. It's probably like, keep rolling, keep rolling. We'll, we'll keep it. We'll do something with it. Yeah, uh, Mark Duplass has said that they keep things very fast and loose when they shoot this show. Like, I know that Josephine Decker, who directed The Man and the Baby and the Man, which was season two, episode seven, uh, shot the thing in two days completely on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And so they, and like Doug Emmett, who was a cinematographer for 11 of the 12 episodes, um, and even the director for the fifth one, the internet, uh, with the guy from Deadpool, he wrote that they often joke that the craft service also budget... Also the guy from Creep that I was talking about earlier, yeah. Yeah, the craft service budget for Game of Thrones was bigger than the entire budget of Room 104, and just hearing about some of the stuff that they had to do in order to film, it definitely seemed like it. Like, uh, first off, they shoot it on a very small soundstage, so even though this has a lot less crew members than a regular show, they feel like it's always crammed, Mm -hmm. Um, because of all the gear like they can't have extra gear lying around and just in terms of lighting they use like um they use lighting a lot to display different modes or moods um and in each episode even in this episode they'll go dark and then they use the sunlight sometimes and then they sometimes just flat out use like flashing lights for parties or horror type situations and it just makes me wonder what would happen if they gave them a bunch of money and said go make a marvel movie for us because I feel like they would save so much money and pocket it and just be like, hey, we can do our own in- independent projects for years. Yeah, they're able to do things with a lot of different limited equipment that they have on set, like lighting park hands. They only have a couple of those, and that stands for parabolic aluminized reflectors. Um, they have a couple china balls around the set, and then they have an airy sky panel, and that's, <laughs> that's not a lot of light to use from, but it seems like they do it a lot in the show. I know with the Um, They also sometimes project images onto the wall or actually make the wall fluid in that one episode. But in this episode that I watched, they used a dollhouse model of Room 104. And for the first few minutes of it, um, you had the characters, Dave Bautista, who's playing a wrestler in this episode, and a therapist kind of mimicking what the battle was using two doll figures in this Room 104 So you see their hands? Yeah, for the first five minutes, all you see is them just using their hands to manipulate these things. And it's not the first time that they've um, had a story that's revolved wrestling or athletics, like athletes. But this one was one was more focused on a WWE guy, like an uh, ex-player who has memory problems. Um, Due to wrestling? Yeah, so like you have Dave Batista's character, whose name is Raw Dog Avalanche as in the title's name, Avalanche. And uh, he's got these like repressed experiences that he has to bring back. Um, he's having a conversation reminiscent to the movie Her, where he's talking to just a shrink, but all you do is you hear them speaking. You don't ever see their faces until much later on. And then um, 
after they recreate this fight of the raw dog avalanche character who's him and doc destruction where he lost the shrink interrupts him and asks him if he's remembering it correctly and then finally she plays back this recording for him of a previous session that they'd had where he says that the fight happened but in the opposite manner where he won and not the doc destruction character and that's our first revelation that things are a little amiss and that the guy's not remembering things the way he should. Mm -hmm. Then they introduce this kid doll into the thing, and very soon after that, Dave Batista, real Dave Batista, is in the room 104, and the kid is suddenly real as well, and they keep flashing back to the dollhouse, but back to the real-life version of them, except that Dave Batista is now wearing a huge... Uh, WWE wig and he's those pants uh, but nothing else like he's got just tattooed front and back which I assume is real Um, and the kid is a big fan and asking him how to do this super vertical suplex power slam move um, where you pick up someone vertically and then you slam them backwards I'm sure you've seen it before I think it's even called a Batista slam but yeah is it really? yeah I think so okay alright so yeah he, he eventually is kind of coerced by the kid into doing it and so they set it up like he's going to actually slam the kid, but he's not intending to. And then he trips wow. and he slams the kid on the table and breaks his neck. And then he like freaks out to the therapist, like, what happened to the kid? Did I hurt a kid? And the therapist is like, remember, remember who actually got hurt, blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly we have Avalanche, the character again, in a like bar setting, but he, it's kind of complicated. He's seeing a doc doctor there, and um, the doctor's pissing him off. Like he's saying things to him that are insulting. And Avalanche freaks out, starts beating up the doctor, performs the move again, breaks the guy's neck. The patrons of the bar are all just staring. Uh, Dave Batista's character freaks out at them. The bar says, is the bar is in the room, right? Yeah. So one of the things they like to do in in Room 104 is change up the like they keep the setting the same as the Room 104, but they move everything around and they like put up signs and stuff mm-hmm. so that they're able to show different places that things right. are happening. Yeah. Um, and so they have bar tables and glasses and stuff all around. And before it was like a stage where the bed actually had red curtains around the side of it. To, to show that it's like you're restricted into that four corner thing right. um, but then after he yells at the patrons and tells them he's going to kill them because they'd watched him basically kill an innocent man it's back to therapy time and his therapist is saying okay you really got to crack down now what happened and then he, he had, comes to like a whole bunch of smash cut shoe drop revelations which is like one uh, there are two mannequins in the room. It's him and it's the kid mannequin and the dad mannequin. And he realizes that uh, Doc Destruction was a figment of his imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the kid. Uh, the doctor he's fighting in his head so much is his dad. And his dad would bring him to room 104 and sexually assault him, or at least that's heavily implied. Jeez, yeah. Yeah, this is basic 104, what they do. Well, they, this, they, this they always like, bring it back this to this. This seems like twist upon twist upon twist, like a M. Night Shyamalan film or something. Yeah, it, I mean, it didn't play out too crazy because while well, you were watching it, because it was kind of like, oh, everything he believed is just fake. It wasn't, it was nothing too out of bounds from what I, I expected. And then once he has this epiphany that 
he's basically needed to come to grips with what his dad did to him. Uh, Mr. Robot. Yeah. The shrink disappeared. Like, the, sh- the shrink just stopped talking to him, and then you're just like, oh, it's just Dave Batista without the wig, just sitting in a business suit, kind of old and looking messed up, um, so, realizing that, that, that he's, he's alone. <laughs> it sounds like more like a drama. One of the things that Room 104 likes to do is every episode, they like seem to switch up the genre. Like It can be comedy, uh, horror, um, and like thriller, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So this was mostly drama, you would say? Uh, yeah, a bit of supernatural where it comes to things were well i guess if it's all in his head it's not supernatural so yeah okay yeah Yeah. and this is probably more realistic i imagine um than some of the episodes like in one of the episodes pretty recently there was uh cory smolders or whatever hobie smolders yeah yeah she uh found that the room started growing all these like different uh plant species that hadn't existed for millions of years or something yeah and it was just pure impossibility. Well, I know that I know that they like to really delve into the weird sometimes. There's an episode entitled Hungry where two friends agree to eat each other for a cannibal Yeah, but again, that's completely... No, 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 that was completely real. Like, there was nothing supernatural about that. The police break in, they see what's going on, and then they're like, no, we have a contract for this. This is perfectly legit. And then they leave. Right. So, yeah. Right. But, like, what I'm saying is that, like, these seem like interesting premises. I'm just wondering why a lot of the time they don't work. Like one of the highest rated ones is on IMDb is the devil one where a woman decides to um, sign a contract with a devil. Yeah, but I think that's mostly to do with how good Paul F. Tompkins is at kind of yeah. uh, just playing that character of kind of like a sympathetic devil deal guy as opposed to just a cartoony version of the devil being evil yeah just very yeah yeah uh, the show so the twists again can work to their advantage a lot and the only thing that i think is holding them back is that because they're doing it so quickly and because these scripts are written in like three hours and they kind of just chuck them out there um no no offense to that yeah. type of style but it it doesn't if they were to spend like weeks upon weeks upon weeks on one script then i feel like they would probably make it yeah. really great i mean the thing is mark duplass has said that hbo in terms of the rest of the shows this is about a quarter of what hbo spend and just doing some research i've seen that for dramas usually an episode costs around five to seven million dollars for a single camera comedy um usually an episode costs 1.5 uh, million dollars so they they try to like save money and time really wherever they can, but they like don't have any teamsters, which are people that drive the um, equipment yeah. place to place because it's only um, in that one uh, area. But they and, haven't just done dramas and horror like you were saying. They've also done like musicals too, like the one with Michael Shannon and the one with the guy from Atlanta. Yeah, um, both of those revolved a lot around music. Yeah, I like the one with the guy from Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. So Doug Emmett also wanted to make sure he's a cinematographer again. He didn't What's want his name? Doug Emmett. Okay. He wanted to um, make sure since it all took place in one location that not every episode looked look the same because that's been a kind of um, struggle that they've had. Especially yeah, absolutely. Since, like you're stuck with the hotel room every episode. Yeah, and Mark Duplass wanted to keep the aesthetic of what he described as a three-star room. 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they they try to make it seem like they that would take place in every episode. They've even made it age over time sometimes. Like you, they'll have episodes in the past, and it won't have the exact current furniture. You can tell that it was like a previous version of the same hotel, but it's always been the same hotel. Well, one of the things I find kind of cool in a weird way is that they've only made it where they shoot inside because they don't want to shoot exterior shots because they feel like it would take too much time and money to try and dress it up nicely also yeah that would take away from the whole point of the title right like you're stuck to that room that's again that's one of the reasons i respect the show is because it does stick to those type of rules that it sets for itself um even if not even if some episodes tend to meander with it you know yeah um one of my favorite like underrated shows was that lost key show that came out a long time ago and that also in a way revolved around one random hotel room that was like a three-star room yeah that's the show where they put the key in the door and then they, and then they like, could close automatically it and... go to that room yeah and then but only there once, were different right? artifacts yeah. no you could go to that room as long as you had the key you could go to that room every single time and so when this show came out it reminded me of the twilight zone mixed with this mixed with black mirror the difference being that Black Mirror and Twilight Zone, um, well, the current version of Twilight Zone, I'd say, is worse than yeah, this yeah. one before. But yeah. Black Mirror, they spend a lot more time, I think, per episode on trying to make sure that the twists are so good that, like, no one would see them Yeah, coming. but they also have, like, they also they can have, have three episodes. And they sometimes yeah. have clunkers. I said earlier that I hate the show, and then I explained that the reason why was that I can't ever recommend it. So, in... A way of recommending it right now i'll say if you watch an episode and you really don't find it fits what you like then feel free to like skip through a different one because once you find one that actually appeals to you 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 may very well change your opinion on the entire show yeah ron tomatoes has this as an overall rating of 88 percent 87 percent in the first season certified fresh 89 percent in season two and there are a lot of places that also seem like like a metacritic 65 out of 100 um and like ben travers of IndieWire gave it a b plus grade he wrote the variety of storytelling on display um, with such tightly anticipation, each new episode is worth even when the narrative disappoints. Yeah, so the narrative disappointing is what we're talking about. But the idea that a new season of this comes out and my head thinks, oh, cool, is just reason to say that it's a better show than in the fact that it's gotten four seasons on HBO. Right, yeah just goes to show that it is got an audience in that it's good and also i know i mentioned this before but the guest stars are fun i'm not gonna give away any others but there are like other people that show up that are like oscar worthy people so that's cool mm-hmm. um, they have probably a lot of connections at this point yeah especially and with i think the duplass brothers have like worked a deal with hbo that they got four shows with them or something and they've only i've only seen like two or three so maybe there's another one coming or maybe i'm just talking out my ass <laughs> i know that yeah. uh i know that mark duplass stated about the show ending that he has a million different ideas for the show which could keep it going for a while but he said um quote it's about less about me telling the kinds of stories that i personally want to tell and more about me becoming sort of an uncle to those who haven't had a chance to tell their stories elsewhere so he usually like he feels like he's flooded the market maybe maybe yeah, yeah and so he's like well it's time for other visionaries to come out here and, and get a chance which is cool and for the people who are able to do it it's also a gift i know for them because again how do these two guys 
get the permission to make so much content when other people are struggling for their whole careers yeah. trying to even get one thing flagged it, by. It, it seems like they're trying to really help people because it says for a final cut in on Wikipedia, Dupas screens the episodes to a group of 20 people who work at their company for feedback. Mm-hmm. So, And all credit to Dave Batista for pulling off the episode because I'm so used to seeing him play kind of stupid characters tracks, or yeah. like, uh, what was that other movie that he was in with? Um, uh, Stuber? Yeah. Yeah, that was also a character that was just supposed to be laughed at. And this one we were supposed to feel pity for. And that's hard to do as a giant guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so he did a good job. And um, so did the therapist, but she wasn't on screen for the whole time or anything. Um, and the kid and the doctor. and everybody Sorry, one day. Yeah, yeah, everybody did great. <laughs> All right, so I think uh, we've kind of covered the episode. We've given a good background about the Duplass uh, brothers. I always want to call them the Duplass twins or the Duffer brothers. <laughs> yeah. But for now, that's it. And we'll see you next time on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.